But you know, I, I firmly believe in what Johnny and Kathy are doing. <clears throat> I hope you'll join me in that, and if not, then we'll agree to disagree. But, um, but I firmly believe in it. I believe that we can stick our heads in the sand and pretend that things like that don't happen or that they don't hurt or that they aren't real in our world or we can put our boots on the ground and get to, to, to doing something about it. And um, so I, I am I'm excited to see what God will do through however many people he brings through that ministry. So uh, I'd like to take a moment and pray for them. If you're sitting next to them, I know you've got some family and friends back there. If you would, just place a hand on their shoulder. Let's pray for them and for that ministry that's beginning on Wednesday. Lord, just as Isaiah said, when you called out, whom will I send? He said, here am I, send me. Lord, we as a church... We raise our hand and say, send us to help those who are broken and hurting in our world. Those who, Lord, apart from you will find no healing, will find no hope. And Lord, we, we say, send us. And Lord, as representatives from this particular church, we, Lord, we thank you for sending Johnny and Kathy into that ministry, into the battle zone that is life with divorce. So God, we ask your blessings on them. We ask your protection on them. Lord, we pray that their ministry would be full of hope, that you would help them endure when times get hard, um, and um, Lord, that you would give great fruit uh, from what they're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think back to my time in college from time to time. And um, I, I, I sometimes have smiles on my face when I think back to those times, and other times I, I sort of shudder um, remembering certain things. One of the things I shudder at was History 201, Modern Europe. I was a history major, and everybody in the history department at that time had to go through History 201, Dr. T. Wayne Beasley. Now, you know you're in trouble when they start with an initial. You know, T. Wayne Beasley. Now, it's not just Wayne Beasley, T. He's really official. He was, now he's the late T. Wayne Beasley, passed away a few years ago, but he was the gateway to the entire history program. You could go through all of the little other courses and so on, but his was the prerequisite to continue forward. And he alone taught History 201. No one else in the department taught it. And modern Europe to him was something that somehow was just what he lived for, modern European history. And, and he would tell you at the very beginning how hard his course was going to be, and he would threaten you within an inch of your life if you decided in any way you would cheat. In fact, I remember he would tell you that, that if you cheated on anything to pass his course, regardless of how hard you found it, that not only would you fail the course, but he would march down to the records office, pull out your file, and write cheater in bold, big letters, he said, right there on your file. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't cheat, but I didn't do so well in the course either. I think I made a C in that course, and I felt like I had just accomplished the greatest feat in my entire life. If we were to keep moving forward in the history program, we had to go through 201, Dr. Beasley modern Europe. It, it was what you had to accomplish. Now I've learned from the Murray State History Department that that's really not the only place we encounter 
difficult prerequisites in life. Uh, There is such a thing, a prerequisite in prayer, and we'll look at it today. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. As I've told you before, you're either going to get really tired of hearing Luke 11, 1, or you're going to memorize it and appreciate it. I don't know which one is your response, but either way, that's where we're going to start every week in this particular series. Now, we've only got two weeks left after this, okay? So after that, you can move away from Luke 11, 1 for a while. I may quiz you from time to time. Here's what uh, Luke records. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And of course, as I've mentioned to you, if you are coming for the first time during this series, the privilege of prayer, the the goal, the, the heartbeat, the idea behind this series is this particular verse. And the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You're the expert. You obviously know what prayer is about. You teach us to pray. Um, that's, that's really what we're going for, to learn from the master of prayer. So far, we've seen the priority that Jesus placed on prayer. We've seen problems we can run into. We've seen the posture and approach we are to take toward God in prayer. Uh, we've learned that our ultimate purpose in prayer is not just giving God a list of what we want, but to yield to His agenda instead of ours. But last week, We learned that it's okay to petition, to ask God for things, as long as those things are guided by biblical principles. Now, this morning, we're going to pick up the instruction uh, that we'll see uh, in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 12 is where we'll pick it up. But I'd like to read uh, this entire model prayer and the words of Jesus immediately following it that sometimes we like to overlook. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6. Look in verse 9. Probably for many of you a familiar passage, even if it's in a different translation. Therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some translations add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, That's the end of the model prayer, but that's not the end of what Jesus said. Verse 14, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing or their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people for their wrongdoing or trespasses, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing or trespasses. Now, our recent prayer survey that we took indicated that most of us pray regularly for God's forgiveness. We know we need to ask for the Lord's forgiveness on a consistent basis. We know it's right, we know it's needed, but I wonder if you're the same as me and maybe you seldom consider this prerequisite that Jesus gives in prayer when we're asking for forgiveness. Verses 14 and 15 are pretty powerful. They're pretty plain as well. But I want to dig a little bit deeper this morning on verses 12, 14, and 15 to talk about our asking for forgiveness in prayer and the prerequisite that is to come before that or to come along with it. Jesus here teaches, and it's a very simple principle that he lays out for us. And so put in other words, I'd say this, because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. Because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. I'm not sure that that it can be put according to Jesus, in any plainer terms than that. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive people, your Heavenly Father will not forgive. Because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. It's not a biblical suggestion. I wish it were, trust me. These are the messages I honestly don't like to preach because I, I have to uh, turn the mirror uh, and the microscope deeply on myself when talking to you about forgiveness. Because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. Tough but simple truth. This kind of takes me back to History 201. This is the spiritual class that I'd just soon avoid. <laughs> I'd rather go a different direction. Uh, than going through the prerequisite of forgiveness. But it's, it's clear. It's plain in Scripture. This is not an elective course. This is not something that you just tack on. I took racquetball one year as an elective course. That was fun. History 201, not so much fun. Racquetball, really fun. Forgiveness, not always fun. Other things, more so. But it's plain. There's no hidden meaning here in Scripture. Uh, Jesus spoke of of those who want the ongoing forgiveness and cleansing of God, that we must be forgiving people. And we need to understand exactly what he's saying here. I don't want any confusion as you leave this morning. So I want to quickly look at what Jesus implies, what he, what he teaches that really forgiveness is all about. I think in verse 12 we find that forgiveness, first of all, is needed. I don't think any of us can deny if we are in our right minds this morning. No one here can deny that we do not need, or that we do need, rather, forgiveness. He says, here's how you should pray. Forgive us our debts. Well, that is obviously because we have debts. He says, if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. We obviously have wrongdoing. We have debts. We have trespasses. Jesus here first brings up our own need of forgiveness. He talks about the debt that we owe to the Lord because of our sin, the obligations that we've not fulfilled. Uh, our debt has piled up, our sin has piled up like that in an account book. You think about the, the debts that you could list, maybe that you have or that, that your business has or that folks owe to your business, and you keep a running tab of those things, and you know how much is owed. And Jesus here draws the parallel that in a similar way our sin has piled up and caused a great debt that we owe to God. In order to be free from that, we have to have His cleansing, His releasing us from those particular debts. Now, it's possible that this could be a little bit confusing. Uh, we're talking here about forgiveness and, and, and asking for forgiveness. And if we don't forgive, God doesn't forgive us. And what in the world's going on with all that? And I don't want it to be confusing in any way. So I want to be very clear that, that Jesus here is not talking about the forgiveness that comes at the moment of salvation, but he's talking about the subsequent forgiveness that cleanses us on a daily basis, that keeps us with a clean slate, so to speak, before him. So we know, that obviously, that at a moment a person turns from their sin to Jesus Christ, they receive forgiveness, they receive eternal life. But there's also that debt that on a regular basis just kind of piles up. Wouldn't it be great? I, I really wish I could preach this. Wouldn't it be great that at the moment of salvation, that not only are you guaranteed eternal life, but you're guaranteed never to sin again. Now, I t listen, that would be wonderful. The folks outside the church would stop calling us hypocrites, you know what I mean? And they'd jump right in with us. Here they'd be because, wow, if I just get saved, wow, I never have to make another mistake. Boy, it'd be nice. 
But it's obvious in our own lives, we can all attest that that's not true. And so Jesus here is talking about those debts that continue to pile up even after we've received the salvation of Jesus. So he's not talking about receiving salvation again as if it could be lost. It's not what we're talking about. But he's talking about how we've sinned after the fact. So this prayer is one that we pray for daily cleansing, a daily clearing of the debts, so to speak, from the ledger as it piles up. Now the audience of our confession I think is important. Jesus starts this prayer with, Our Father in heaven. Now I want you to understand that you can share any burden that you have with me. You can confess any sin that you want to. And as I told the youth when I was a youth pastor, I promise I will not fall on the floor and suck my thumb in the fetal position because I am so shocked at what you've just told me. But all I can do is listen. I can't forgive you. I can't forgive the sins that you've committed against the Lord. You can come and talk to me, and I would welcome you. I'd love to talk with you. love to try to help you figure out how now do I live as a result of this sin in my life. But the prayer is directed not to me or to an earthly priest, but to God himself, the one through whom we must go, the only one who can give us forgiveness. So we get the idea here that our sins sort of accumulate on this ledger, and and we owe God a debt because of those sins, and we need to be forgiven of that. So we approach God on a regular basis, Lord, forgive us of our debts, the obligations that we were to perform to you, an obligation that was not filled, holiness, pure worship, absolute love and devotion. Lord, we owe you those things. We've fallen short. We have a debt. Lord, we need you to forgive us of those debts. We're asking for that daily cleansing. Jesus says forgiveness is needed. I think that's pretty obvious. And then second part of verse 12, he gives the idea that forgiveness really is implied. Forgiveness is implied. Now, this is the hard part. I'll just tell you. It's easy. I, 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 if we stopped at the beginning of verse 12, we would all be really, really happy. And you'd come to me at the end of the service and you'd say, man. That's exactly what I need. I just need to know that the Lord's going to forgive me no matter what I've done. And that is absolutely true. But we can't really stop there because Jesus didn't stop there. He goes on. And he says in verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness for Jesus is just implied. It's just assumed that those who have been forgiven will forgive. Well, it's not as easy as that, but it's as simple as that. A very simple but, but difficult truth. Those whose debts have been erased will not hold on to or will erase the debts of others. Now in this, one of the first things we need to recognize is that we do have debtors. We have people who owe us something. Maybe they had an obligation to you and they didn't fulfill it. And now they have a debt. They didn't pay back what they should have paid back. Or they took something from you and you want it to be paid back. You think about those people that maybe had an obligation to you. You know, Kathy mentioned you know, a spouse that had an obligation to love, to be faithful, to stick around. There's a debt that's created when those obligations are not met. Maybe you've experienced the same thing. Or maybe you experienced a parent who, whose obligation it was to love and to protect and to care for and nurture and help you learn and to be there. And they didn't fulfill those obligations. They owe you. 
they owe you because they had an obligation, didn't fulfill it. Maybe you had a friend who you expected to stand up for you, to protect your reputation, to listen to you, to understand, to be loyal to you when times got difficult. And they didn't do any of that. They stabbed you in the back. They owed you friendship and loyalty, but they, they didn't fulfill that obligation. Or maybe you had a boss or have a boss that you really feel like, you know what, if nothing else, they owe me at least respect. At least ought to treat me like I'm human. At least ought to talk to me with a little bit of courtesy. Maybe you expect your boss or your company to reward your hard work. Look, I've been at this for 25 years, and, and, and this is what I get? They owed you. Didn't fulfill the obligation. Or maybe you had somebody who took something from you, and now they owe you. That spouse who cheated or left, they took from you your trust. Many years of your life that you now think maybe are wasted. They took your joy, your dreams. Maybe you had an abuser in your past who took your dignity, your innocence. Maybe you had a backstabber who took your reputation and your friends. Or you worked for a company that took your security and your future, and your salary and your retirement, your means to provide for your family. You've got a list now of people who are indebted to you. I want to hand something out to you this morning that I want you to use, and quite honestly, I want it back. Now, you don't have to give it back to me. I'm not going to stand at the door and ask you where your paper is. And I want it back, honestly, in as many pieces, and later on, as you can tear it into. I'll just give you a heads up. But here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to hand these out, and you just hang on to it. I'm going to kind of come around this way. How about that? All right. I think I've got enough. We'll take care of the ladies on that side as well. What you're going to receive is a generic way that you can write down what it is that people owe you. Now, you know I like to give you stuff. I like to hand out lemonade packets and mirrors and all kinds of things. Let's make sure we get that all the way down to the end. Let me give you a couple more just in case. And so this morning... This morning, I want to give you a way that you can write down what people owe you. And from this point forward in the sermon, I really hope that you'll take opportunity to be as creative as possible with how you fill this sheet out. There you go. Thank you. But I want you to take it as seriously as you possibly can. There you go. Now, I promise you this, I won't make you stand up and read what's on your paper. Okay, I'm not Dr. T. Wayne Beasley. I will not do that to you. All right. Thank you. If you have extras on uh, this side over here, why don't you send them just down that way? And Jeremy, if you don't mind to... To grab those, I'd appreciate it because I may run out. <clears throat> and if you need some extras, then Jeremy will have those. Thank you. Now, what you'll see on this sheet is, like I said, pretty generic. I didn't have opportunity to create the perfect ledger sheet just for you. I went to Office Depot and bought some, all right? But you can get the idea. Somebody owes you something. They have a debt to you. 
and you need to write it down. Here's what this person or this group of people or this company or whatever, this is what they owe me. And you can list several people if you want. And you see there at the top, down at the bottom, is it current? Is it over 30 days? Is it over 60 days? Some of you say it's been years. <laughs> Ooh, 60 days ain't cutting it. Years. Cross it out. How many years has it been that they owe you something? You take some time with that, and I'm going to continue to move through these particular verses, and you write down there what they owe you. You be as honest as you need to be. Again, I want it back, but I want it in pieces. Okay? But don't tear it up yet. All right, that's going to ruin, ruin the end of the service. So don't tear it up yet. All right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to culminate. All right, you with me? Some of you are not following my jokes. Anyway, all right, let's move on. <clears throat> okay, so if you, if you write down those who, who should be on your list of, of things they owe you, who would it be? Things you've carried around for a long time um, and so on. As you write that down, I want you to remember what Jesus says we are to do about those things that are going to wind up on that piece of paper. Jesus gives a very simple implication and command, and it's simply forgive. Now, you say, now hold on, I'm not writing anything down. If that's what you're going to make me do today, I'm not writing anything down. I'm not making you do anything. But Jesus implies here that those who have had all of their debts written down, and absolutely destroyed by the power of Jesus, are to, in turn, do the same for others. So write them down. Matthew 18 gives a great story of, of probably something that you're thinking this morning. As in, wait a minute, you don't know really what I need to write down. You don't really know what's been taken from me. You don't really know what is owed to me. Jesus gives a great parable in Matthew 18. I won't take the time to read it this morning, but I would encourage you to study it talks about a man who forgave the great debt of another person and the person who had the debt forgiven went out and found someone who owed him just a little bit and threw him in prison until he could pay it all. Maybe you remember that story from Sunday school years ago. The point being that in essence everything well, we could fill up 50 of these little ledger sheets everything we could write down pales in comparison to what we owe the Lord. He gave his very life for us. Jesus makes that point pretty clear and implies that we should forgive just as we have been forgiven. He implies that as we also have forgiven, and, and really the rendering should be something like, or in other words, like, in the same way that we forgive, forgive us. You put it in those terms, it changes the game a little bit, doesn't it? Changes it for me. I don't know about you. But Lord, if I am to pray, Lord, Forgive me, just as I'm going to forgive this person. <laughs> what if God did that? I believe he does. I believe verses 14 and 15 tell us again that the measure that we forgive with is the measure we'll receive in forgiveness. Forgiveness is implied. It's also required. Forgiveness is required. Verses 14 and 15 make this clear. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. Again, talking about Forgiveness after receiving salvation. This is not something to get salvation. Let's make that very, very clear. We don't forgive people so we earn favor with God and we can somehow earn our way into heaven. Not in any way am I speaking about that. But in order for us to have that ongoing daily cleansing, daily restoration from the Lord, from the things that are piling up of offenses against God on our behalf, we 
must forgive others, or else those things that are on our ledger before God are not going away until we have forgiven other people. It is required. It's kind of like History 201. If you're going to continue to progress and grow as a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the gateway. Here's the door. Here's the instructor. This is the class we must all take, the prerequisite to everything else, forgiveness. It's required. It's a pretty difficult teaching. Not one that's easy to swallow, but it's there in the Scripture. You can't ignore it. Forgiveness is required. He says, forgive those who have done you wrong. The word is trespass. Jesus uses two different words for sin here. Debts and trespasses or wrongdoing. Now you think about it. Now here's what I want you to do. You got your ledger. You're writing things down. Maybe you've stopped now because you don't want to have to forgive that. So you just, you know, you've stopped. You've written down a couple of things. Turn it over on the back. And I want you to draw a line down that paper. Vertically, horizontally, whichever, you know, is, is what you prefer. Draw a line. Your proverbial line in the sand, so to speak. Here's the boundary. Some folks owe you something. Others have crossed your line. They have set foot in areas where they should have not. They have done things that went over the line. They've sinned against you in a different way than just not fulfilling an obligation. They've done something willfully to put their toes over that line or to jump with both feet over it. And maybe you draw a picture of that person. You've got little horns on it, you know, and all that. You just draw a picture of that person. Or you'd write their name. Or you'd just draw their footprints, and there they are. They have crossed over your line. They are maybe on the, the front side indebted to you. They owe you something because they took something from you or didn't fulfill an obligation. Or maybe... You've got to put their name across that line because they did something to you and it was willful and intentional and they meant it. It wasn't just that maybe they didn't think about it. They meant to. These are the wrongdoings, the trespasses that maybe you've got some pictures or names or footprints you need to write on that side of the line. They've stepped over it. Forgiveness, even when that happens, Jesus says, is required. Extremely difficult. Jesus also implies that forgiveness, while required, is also vital. He says, if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your Heavenly Father will what? Will forgive you. <laughs> if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. You know what that forgiveness brings? It brings fellowship, closeness with God. You know, there's nothing more miserable than feeling as if or knowing as if you have distanced yourself from God? Some of us are there. Some of us have been there for a while, and you just think, my goodness, this is just a miserable way to live. Being a forgiving person is vital to maintaining that closeness with the Lord. Forgiveness of others closes the gap that we've created between us and God. It opens the doors for God's blessings to bring peace and wholeness, and freedom, and forward movement in our lives. Some of us, if we're honest, we are stuck in whatever time period or year that that particular event took place where that person did something that now they owe us for across that line. And we've not been able to move forward. Forgiveness is the key that brings God's opportunity for that. It opens the door for reconciliation. I believe it's 
key for revival in our own lives, and I honestly believe it's the key for revival in the church. To confess our own sins to the Lord, to be forgiven, and then to forgive others. If we refuse to admit our own debt, our own wrongdoing, or if we refuse to forgive, I believe we'll experience the removal of God's blessing and His favor on our lives. We may experience a few things, but it'll just be a shadow, a mirage of what God really wants to do. Forgiveness is required, it's vital, and it's also possible. You've got those things written down, and you say, I'm not so sure. Jesus would never have commanded nor implied for us to forgive others if it were not possible. You might say, well, you don't know what they owe me. You don't know what they did to me. You're exactly right. Forgiveness is never easy. If everything on a scale of 1 to 10 and forgiveness was a 1, you know what, really not a big deal, no problem, I forgive you. We'd have no trouble. But most things aren't on that end of the scale. Most things are at least a 6 or higher on the things that we really struggle with. But I want you to know that forgiveness is possible because we have been ourselves forgiven. And forgiveness does not depend upon the basis of another person's apology. It's the hardest part. Most of the time, you know as well as I do, you're not getting an apology. You're not getting anything from them. They're going to blame it on you. They're going to tell you, you know what, if you hadn't done this, this, and this, I wouldn't have acted that way. Wow, you know, I was just trying to forgive you, man. You know, They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Most of the time, you're not going to get from them what you want. Most of the time, you're not going to get paid back. They're not going to worry about if they cross that line or not. And Jesus says forgiveness, even then, is still possible. It's still possible because it's not on the basis of anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the basis of God's forgiveness toward us. Not our ability to pay him back. Not our somehow being able to erase what happened. But only through the cross do we receive forgiveness. That's also our basis for forgiving others. We go back to the cross and we say, there's the payment even for that. I don't need to be paid back because Jesus has already paid for it. He will restore me. He will lift me up. Forgiveness is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. So it is possible to forgive freely because I have been forgiven freely. Those people that are on your ledger, that are on that, that other side of the line, they don't deserve forgiveness. Let's be honest. They don't deserve it. What they did was wrong. You say, well, if I forgive them, I'm just going to be condoning what they did. That's not the point. God forgave us, didn't condone our sin. But he said, I cover it with the blood of Jesus. Those people on your list don't deserve your forgiveness. They'll probably never apologize for it. But the basis for our forgiveness is not whether or not they deserve it. It's certainly not whether or not they apologize, but it is the cross. We give to others what they don't deserve because we ourselves have received what we don't deserve. So what do you do now? You say, that's great. Those are all great truths, and I, I can't say that I disagree, but now what? Well, I, I believe either your prayer must be, Lord, cancel my debts, Lord, cover my footprints across the line, or, Lord, today, I cancel those debts. Lord, I, I'm covering those footprints. So what do you do? You cancel debts. You cover footprints. 
you declare to yourself and to the Lord that those things that were done to you or those things that are owed to you are covered by the blood of Jesus and you're counting on Him to pay you back. Maybe today you'd say, Lord, I, I'm not worried about forgiveness of other people right now because I don't think I've got anything there, but God, you know I've, I, I've got my own debts toward you. Lord, cancel my own debts. Lord, cover my own footprints. Or, Lord, I, I forgive today by canceling those debts and covering those footprints. As I said, this is the key to revival in your own life. If you want to experience the blessing of God in your life, be a forgiving person, be a confessing person. Here's what I want you to do. I told you I wanted it back in pieces. Just a second, Danny's going to play. And I know, and I'll tell you, it's by design that I don't coerce you to come forward during the service. I honestly believe that what is more important than you coming to the altar at a particular time, though that may be extremely vital for you, is what you do during the week. <laughs> do you come to the altar during the week to the Lord each day? So understand that. But this morning, You've got on your list something you don't need to take home with you. It needs to be left here. I didn't give you the carbon copy side of that. I tore that part off. So you didn't get two papers so you can write down, okay, I'll throw one of them away, but I'm going to hang on to this one. Boy, we'd like to do that. But what you've got, those people on your list, those folks who have crossed your line, they don't need to go home with you anymore. They've been in your head and in your heart for a long time. And this morning is the time to forgive. This morning is the time to confess. This morning is the time for healing. And your healing may take place all at once. Or this may be one more step along the way. As you simply, as Danny will play in just a second, I'll give you opportunity. We'll stay here as long as you need to. You tear that paper and it'll be noisy and that's okay. All right, we'll all just relax. You tear that paper in as many pieces as you want to, and you make your way down front with it. And if you're not physically able, you raise it up, and I'll bring the garbage can to you. How about that? And you throw those things away. And you say, well, I, I can't really forget those things. The point is not to forget. The point is to forgive and to cancel those debts and cover those footprints only by the power of Jesus. You say, I don't want to. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to. We want to hang on to what we're owed. Praise God, he doesn't hang on to what he is owed. He gave Jesus to once and for all pay the debt that we owe to cover our sin forever. Let's, let's freely forgive because we have freely been forgiven. And so this morning, I, I, I won't ask everybody. I'm not going to stand up and we'll sing 18 verses until everybody comes. So you can relax. But I really believe that there is something powerful about you tearing that up throwing it away, returning to your seat, joining Danny as he sings. I want to pray for you, and I just we'll just open it up, and you just come as the Lord calls you. But if he's calling you, you come. Don't take those things home with you. Don't do it again. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you give us courage and boldness this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that the basis of our forgiveness and our forgiveness of others is not 
not on anything but the cross. So, Lord, this morning as we tear our papers up, as we throw them in the garbage can, as we leave them here, Lord, we are counting on your cross to be enough for our own forgiveness and to be enough grace for us to forgive. So, God, help us to do what we know is best, what we know will bring your blessing, but, God, it's difficult. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Danny, please.